Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. It's a hot summer day in New York City, and inside the Hall of Ocean Life at the American Museum of Natural History, tons of kids and adults are trying to keep cool. There's a lot of racket echoing around the life-sized sculpture of a blue whale hanging from the ceiling. But we're here to look at a different display. So almost 100 years ago, this is what the reef looked like. Dr. Natalie Goodkin is an associate curator in the museum's Earth and Planetary Sciences Department. We're standing in front of a diorama depicting how a barrier reef near Andros Island in the Bahamas looked in June 1923. The Elkhorn coral looks almost like tree branches without leaves um, sticking up. And corals have microalgae that inhabit their surface, which give them all sorts of different colors. So we see pinks and browns and yellows. Sometimes you can see blues and purples as well. The diorama is packed with corals taken from the reef alongside models of all sorts of undersea creatures, like angelfish, lobsters, and parrotfish. If this was a living reef, Dr. Goodkin says it wouldn't just be pretty to look at. Just like this room we're standing in, it would be loud. A cacophony, even. The number of animals that are living on that reef are making an enormous racket. Even though you can't always see the life, because of course the joy of the reef is it provides protection and places to hide. But these days, the Andros Reef isn't nearly so beautiful or noisy. And the same goes for many others like it around the world. Corals struggle to survive. Without them, the other animals that rely on the reef will go elsewhere or die, leaving the once thriving environment a quiet ruin. Like a, a bomb site almost um, of just destroyed coral much of the time on a degraded reef often these added sounds are missing. This is Ben Williams. He's a PhD student at University College London, where he studies the soundscapes of coral reefs. He thinks one way to save coral reefs from destruction could be by focusing on how they sound. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Danny Lewis. Today, we're listening to coral reefs alongside some of the scientists working to save them and learning how, in the future, the sounds of these ecosystems could help conservationists monitor their health and maybe even bring degraded reefs back from the brink of collapse. Stick around. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the big hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, and providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. It's really easy to talk about corals as if they're plants. 
Some look like trees, some like ferns, others like weird succulents. In reality, though, they're tiny animals. The babies even look kind of like jellyfish. And when they first spawn, the baby corals, the larvae, can even swim around. It's only once they settle down that they start forming the rock-like skeletons that give reefs structure. And because they only have one chance to choose where they'll live for the rest of their lives, they're very picky. One thing that marks a healthy reef... ...is noise. On a thriving, diverse reef, we hear loads of different sounds. Ben Williams, the researcher from University College London, says healthy reefs have a rich, complex soundscape, kind of like a busy neighborhood. There's this constant backing track of snapping shrimp, which produce this crackling sound like a campfire. We hear these everywhere we go in the world. There's like a, a Ambon damselfish that makes this like whooping noise, like a windshield wiper. There'll be this kind of knocking, like someone's knocking on your door that could be produced by another kind of clownfish. But if the corals themselves get sick, things fall apart, like a city where all the businesses have shut down. It's almost eerily quiet. Corals can only live in about 1% of the ocean. That's still almost 1.4 million square miles, but they're struggling. Climate change is making oceans warmer and more acidic. There's pollution, overfishing, more frequent heat waves, and diseases. In 2021, researchers from the University of British Columbia found that the amount of living coral has decreased by half across the globe since the 1950s. And with about a quarter of all ocean species depending on corals in some way, that's a lot less real estate to go around. Williams believes that studying audio recordings of coral reefs could give scientists a fuller picture of their health without the cost of having to send divers to look at them in person. It's really easy to just jump in the water, deploy the hydrophone, and then you can be back in the boat within seconds and going on to the next site. It's like how some scientists monitor forests and woodlands. Microphones and little recorders can listen in on the birds, insects, and mammals living there without having to worry about humans disturbing them. Williams wants to use the same techniques underwater. It's a really easy way to collect this data compared to other methods, but that still needs us to go back and retrieve that hydrophone and to put it back out if we need to. But if I can speak here as an audio producer for a second, let me tell you from personal experience that going through hours of recordings still takes a lot of work. And for the most part, I'm listening to people talking. I'm not trying to identify fish. That's like trying to pick out an individual voice from a recording of a crowded party in a big, echoey banquet hall while everyone is moving around and talking over each other. Oh, and also they're eating and drinking the whole time. Even with your best set of headphones, some of these sounds are really faint and you're you're kind of squinting your ears going, is that a fish? What did I just hear? Not to mention that sound travels a lot faster and further through water, which is about 800 times denser than air. That makes it a lot harder to identify specific sounds and their sources. And I had a colleague recently who I think in the space of a week managed to analyze about four hours of audio. That was just from listening to recordings that were only about a minute long. And William's colleague had over 100 hours of audio to sort through. 
The tool of choice for dealing with big data sets these days is artificial intelligence. Earlier this year, Williams published a study that he conducted as a student at the University of Exeter, where he trained a machine learning algorithm to do the work he and his colleagues were doing with their ears. We took recordings from nearby healthy reefs, nearby degraded reefs, um, and then also recordings from restored reefs. Um, and these were taken across different times of day, so day and night, and around the new and the full moon, as we also know that the lunar cycle actually impacts the soundscape on coral reefs as well. And he found that while the computer program wasn't able to name every fish that blooped or grunted, it was able to identify whether a reef was healthy or degraded about 90% of the time. Our model essentially supported what we could visually observe on these reefs. So those two mature restored sites were classified as healthy by our model, whereas that immature younger one that was only nine months old still apparently sounded degraded. There are limits to this study. The recordings were gathered at just seven sites in Indonesia in 2018. They also only used audio samples made during calm conditions. That means no serious storms and no motorboats. Some coral scientists are skeptical that analyzing audio will beat out traditional survey methods. My name is Emily Darling. I'm the director of coral reefs at the Wildlife Conservation Society. Dr. Darling has sifted through survey data from reefs around the world to check in on their health over the years. And she's spent plenty of time underwater taking notes herself. We're incredibly low-tech. You know, we've got pencils, we've got slates or clipboards, we have underwater paper. A lot of this is attached to rubber bands because otherwise your data sheets like fly off into the water and you've got to go swim and hunt them down. While these methods are time and resource intensive, she says they work. And Dr. Darling thinks underwater recordings are still too new to be of much use. I think we are starting a little bit at square one with these types of new technologies in the sense that, yeah, it sounds great to build a long-term picture, but we've got to start from today. And so a long-term picture is really going to be 20, 30, 40 years from now. Whereas backwards, you know, to the Jacques Cousteau days, we have those 30 or 40 years of information, if not longer, um, on, you know, a lot of coral reefs. Dr. Darling doesn't think bioacoustic analysis is practical in remote locations. And she says even with the help of machine learning software, processing audio files would take too long for that data to be useful to the people whose livelihoods depend on coral reefs. And that's exactly why we use pencils and rubber bands and, you know, slates underwater. They work. Uh, we don't have to charge batteries. If the power goes or, you know, the generator doesn't work, you know, our whole field trip isn't scrapped. Others, though, are excited about the potential of analyzing audio to check on a reef's condition. I know they do it in, like, forests with birds and stuff, but it was really cool to actually try to apply it underwater. Dr. Gabby Amadia is a director of marine conservation science at the World Wildlife Fund. She's watched other scientists test out this technology in the field. I, so I remember one of the researchers, she would snorkel out there for hours with her, like, little floaty and her little microphone dropped in the water, and then we'll go and listen to the sound of the reefs. So it's really cool to see how far it's come. She says it's changed the way she thinks about corals. Sometimes I try to like take a moment and just, you're not really supposed to hold your breath when you scuba dive, but sometimes you want to hold your breath and so you don't hear the bubbles and you can just like listen to the reef and you're like, oh, there actually isn't a lot of noise here. This blend of audio and AI isn't practical yet, 
But Ben Williams hopes that within the next decade, it could lead to new tools that capture nuances divers might miss. He's now planning to send recorders to places like Australia's Great Barrier Reef, to Mexico, and the Maldives. Hopefully we'll have enough of these around that we'll be able to get a representation of reefs all around the world to start seeing what's the normal kind of baseline that we should see on these. And then if something starts to change, perhaps there's a, a bleaching event or another degradation event, we might notice that the soundscape has changed. And that can be a, a flag to us that something's going on at this reef. Or alternatively, that the conservation measures and restoration being put in place at certain sites is starting to work. Coming up, recordings of reef sounds might be able to do more than provide a checkup. Some researchers think they might also help make coral reefs healthier. That's after the break. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet, oracle.com slash wallstreet. Remember earlier when we mentioned that corals are animals? Well, one of the first things they do when they spawn is float away on the currents. They look kind of like a jelly bean swimming around. You wouldn't think of a baby coral being very mobile, but they're surprisingly mobile. Dr. Aaron Mooney is an associate scientist at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, where he leads its sensory ecology and bioacoustics lab. He got his start studying dolphins and how they are affected by underwater noise made by humans which led him to ask how those sounds affect the dolphin's prey. We wanted to know if squid could hear these loud, echolocating dolphins coming. And we found out that squid could hear, and they're, they're actually pretty sound sensitive. And that just sort of opened up this huge world for us. And if squid can hear, maybe other undersea invertebrates can too, including corals. Dr. Mooney thinks one way young corals decide where to settle down for the rest of their lives is whether the place sounds right. So a few years ago, he tried an experiment where he and his team placed cups of coral larvae out on a thriving area of a reef in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So there's a lot of fish there, and the fish are calling back and forth to each other, and it it sounds really healthy, essentially. He also placed baby corals on a reef that wasn't doing so well. So it's missing the fish, and it it just looks brown, and it looks kind of like a little wasteland, right? There are some coral there, but there's not a ton. And um, it's just devoid of those really nice sound cues. After a few days' wait, Dr. Mooney checked back. Lots of the corals placed in the healthy reef had settled down. But the ones on the degraded reef were still adrift. There's a sort of positive feedback loop. So if you um, have big three-dimensional structures, essentially lots of coral heads, you're going to attract a lot of fish, and those fish are going to be chatting to each other, and that's going to sound really nice. And then that's going to attract more coral larvae and keep rebuilding the reef. Now Dr. Mooney is trying to see how important that sound is by placing underwater speakers at depleted reefs and playing recordings of healthy ones. If the experiment works, he thinks the sounds could encourage corals to settle in reefs that need a little TLC. And it could tilt the scales just enough to help the reef bounce back. So there are some other questions that we need to do. 
would be a little sound specific or something for different species or habitat or, or geographic areas. I think we're at a stage where if we get some really good results this summer, which we're, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we can start to integrate this in other restoration projects. Restoring damaged coral reefs is hard and takes time, but it's possible. Scientists studying Australia's Great Barrier Reef recently found that some parts have more coral coverage now than they did when monitoring began 36 years ago. It's good news. And while experts warn that the recovery is fragile, there's hope that restoration efforts can work under the right conditions. So there's a lot of different tactics around this, and of course there's not consensus around it because scientists like to take all these different approaches, Dr. Gabby Amadia from the World Wildlife Fund says years of studying coral reefs has shown her the importance of trying new methods. And lately, she's been considering integrating reef sounds into her own work with corals. It's hard to do it at scale. The technology is not there yet. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. I think there's a lot of research going to how we can do this bigger and better and more cost-effective, but we're just not there yet. But Dr. Amadia believes that tools like those Ben Williams and Dr. Mooney are working on can be helpful to identify and protect those reefs that are most likely to survive in the coming decades. I think it's really important to give people hope in conservation of coral reefs. We can't focus on the doom and gloom. We have to be pragmatic, but we need to start thinking about solutions and options instead of thinking that everything's just gonna go away because then we really have no solutions for the future. That hope can come from keeping these underwater communities healthy and thriving. And in the case of corals, that means noisy. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Coral Reef recordings were provided by Ben Williams, Isla Davidson, and Tim Lamott. Thanks also to Aaron Mooney and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution for sharing audio. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was reported and produced by me, Danny Lewis. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton is our sound designer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer, and Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. Thanks for listening. Enter a revolutionary business world where AI meets power with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro. Imagine PCs that boost productivity, creativity, and collaboration with cutting-edge AI. They're gateways to innovation, engineered with powerful AI performance, hardware-based security, and AI-powered threat detection. Plus, they're built sustainably and can be managed remotely. Transform your workflow with Intel Core Ultra and Intel vPro today. No product can be absolutely secure. Become an IT hero at intel.com slash ITHeroes.